I have an app on my watch which monitors my heart rate. When my heart rate gets elevated, it buzzes my wrist and reminds me to breathe for 60 seconds. It is stressing me out. <laughs> we live in an incredibly busy world. The pace of life is often so frantic. Our minds are always busy. We're always doing something, it seems. Think. When was the last time that you did nothing? When was the last time that you took five minutes undisturbed and did nothing? I mean actually nothing. No emailing, no texting, no internet, no television, no talking, no eating, no reading, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Consider this. What is the most valuable and most precious resource that each of us has in our possessions? It's our minds. We rely upon our minds to be happy, to be content, to be emotionally stable as individuals, and at the same time, we rely on them to be kind and thoughtful and considerate in our relationship with ourselves, with God, our relationship with others. We also use that mind to be focused and to be creative and to be spontaneous and to perform at our very best in everything that we do. But let's be honest with ourselves. Think of all the time we spend maintaining our cars, our homes, taking care of our clothing, paying attention to our bodies, tending our hair. Well, maybe not my hair, but <laughs> you see what I'm going for. The result, of course, is that we get stressed. You know, the mind, it whizzes away like a washing machine going round and round, lots of difficult, confusing emotions, and we don't really know how to deal with all of that. And the sad fact is that we're so distracted by all these other things we're taking care of that we're no longer present in this world, the one we're living in. We miss out on those things that are most important to us. And the crazy thing is that everybody just assumes that that's how life is in 2018. So we just keep going along and doing it and getting on with it. But that's not really how it should be. It's not how it has to be. So I want to ask you to do something radical. I want to ask you to just sit quietly for two minutes and breathe. I want you to do this because I want all of us to remember the definition of this place, the definition of sanctuary. It means a safe place. It means that this should be a place that offers us spiritual and emotional shelter against the storms. And while we sit quietly, I want us all to breathe. In Hebrew, we call a deep breath, that kind of deep breathing, a nishama amukah. The word for breath and the word for soul, they're the same word in Hebrew. 
Yom Kippur and these high holy days, they are all about focusing on our soul, our neshama, providing us a time to breathe. So let your soul breathe for two minutes. That was only two minutes. I wonder for how many of us that felt like an eternity. Perhaps in those two minutes, though, if we were lucky, we felt something like eternity. What causes us stress? Do I really have to ask? Work, finances, politics, the state of the environment, technology, they are all adding to our load day by day, thing by thing. And our kids, what stresses them out? This is what they tell me. They're stressed by friendships and grades and tests and family issues and homework and extracurricular activities, their love life, and a big one that most of us never had to encounter or contend with when we were growing up, their social media presence. And those of us in midlife, you could take your pick. Any kind of change stresses us. Divorce, the death of a parent, career setbacks, retirement worries, worrying about our children, worrying about what our children are worrying about, and in our senior years, slowing down is stressful. Thinking about the conditions of the world, 
living on a fixed income, physical pain, physical discomfort, spending too little time with our children or grandchildren, regret, wishing that our lives had been different. Stress is stressful at any age. A story. One day, the angel of death was walking in a certain city, and a man stopped him and he asked him, what was he planning to do in this city? The angel of death answered by saying that he was going to take 1,000 people that day. The man responded in despair, but the angel of death, he reminded him, sir, that's my job. That's what I'm here to do. I take people when their time is ready. Today, 1,000 people will be taking their last breath and going into the hereafter, and I will take them. Later on in the day, the angel of death and the man caught up with each other again. However, this time, the man was furious with the angel of death. The man lashed out at the angel of death, and he told the angel of death, You lied to me! This morning, you told me you would only take 1,000 lives. And yet, according to the reports in the news, some 7,000 people died today. 6,000 more than you said were going to die, than you said you would take. The man accused the angel of death of lying, of being greedy. The angel of death allowed the man to rant and to rave, and then he stopped the man. And the angel of death told him, don't get mad at me. I only took 1,000. Okay, so what about the rest, the man said. Oh, them, the angel of death answered. You know what killed them? Stress and worry killed all the rest. Those are the silent assassins, the three horsemen of our personal apocalypse. Stress, worry, and anxiety. They create blood clots. They can lead to heart disease. They can bring on heart attacks. Not to mention cancer and lung ailments and accidents and high blood pressure and ulcers and stomach problems and panic disorders and headaches and problems with our nervous system and sleep disorders and chronic depression and even, yes, suicide. Dr. Charles Mayo, one of the founders of the Mayo Clinic, said, a person can worry himself or herself into bad health and even into death, but you will never worry yourself into a longer life. You will never worry yourself into a longer life. Stress, worry, and anxiety, they can kill us. There is no such thing as a life without stress. It comes with the territory. You cannot live without stress. And there is only then one solution. You have to live with it. And this is what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm, I'm speaking tonight as your rabbi, but also as your doctor. Now, I'm not an actual doctor, but sometimes I play one on the bima. So Rabbi Dan as Dr. Dan, it's a nice alliteration to that, the first prescription in dealing with stress, worry, and anxiety. Say no. In Judaism, no is a complete sentence. Remember all those thou shalt nots, thou shalt not fight every battle, thou shalt not do things that you don't have to do, thou shalt not work on the Sabbath. We're going to get to the Sabbath in a minute. 
The greatest example, I think, of saying no in the Torah is the story of Moses and Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, and he sees Moses sitting morning to night, judging the people, dealing with disputes one at a time, endlessly. And Jethro goes up to Moses and he says to him, Ma hadavar hazeh? What is it that you're doing? What is this thing that you are doing to this people? Why do you act alone? While the people stand in line waiting to see you from morning to night, you're going to wear yourself out. You're wearing these people out, Moses. Now Moses tries to explain, as any son-in-law would try to explain to his father-in-law, that he's, only, he's the only one qualified to do this, the only one qualified to judge the people. But Jethro doesn't buy it. He is the true father-in-law, looking out for the man who is now providing for his daughter and his grandchildren. And he tells Moses, the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. You need to establish a system of lower courts to hear the smaller cases, to deal with the big stuff. Moses, you need to say no sometimes. And for the first time in history, someone listens to an in-law. <laughs> Moses listens to his father-in-law. And at least at that moment, Moses reduces his stress, his worry, and his anxiety because he learns to say no. The first prescription, say no. The second prescription in dealing with stress, worry, and anxiety is take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Watch over your soul, we read in the book of Deuteronomy. Another brief story. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdachev once observed a man hurrying along the street, looking neither right nor left, just rushing, rushing, rushing. Why are you rushing so, the rabbi asked him. The man responded as he ran by, I'm pursuing my livelihood. The rabbi stopped. Sir, maybe your livelihood is behind you. And maybe you just have to slow down to encounter and find it. I see so many people rushing all the time, always doing for others, sacrificing themselves in the process. Friends, life is a marathon if we're lucky. It's not a sprint. But if you look at our calendars, if you look at mine, particularly those of parents with school-aged children, you would think life was an Olympic triathlon with a big clock ticking at the top, a timer counting down. We are always rushing from here to there, schlepping and planning and organizing and limit setting and role modeling and advocating and cooking and cleaning. And the clock is always ticking. There are never enough hours in the day. There are never enough days in the week. And then, and then the coach calls an extra hockey practice or it's a pro D day, or you get a work email that needs more than just a thumb response that we have to actually sit down and think about, or someone gets sick, or you get sick. And the house of cards, which is life in 2018, it all comes crashing down upon us. No wonder we can't breathe. We are out of breath from all that rushing. We need to stop. We need to slow down. 
to take care of ourselves, all of us, so that we can be present for those that we love. It is the oxygen mask on the airplane rule. You have to put it on yourself before you can take care of others to make sure that you can breathe. Diet and exercise, those help. They help us take care of our bodies. But what about our soul? For the soul, Judaism gives us Shabbat. I told you it would come back. A forced day of rest. We are commanded on Shabbat to unplug from the world and to plug into our soul, to plug into our essence of who we are. What separates free people from slaves? Slaves never get a day off. Do you feel like a slave to your life? Do you feel free? To free yourself of stress, worry, anxiety, we are commanded to take off a day to take care of our soul. How do you do it? Take two minutes of silence. Pray. Find a ritual that you love. Read. Study. Go deep into your soul. Go deep into the essence of who you really are. Not who you're required to breathe. Not who you're required to be. And breathe. Just breathe. The third prescription in dealing with stress, worry, and anxiety is this. Find community. Find a place to belong, to feel supported, because nobody can do this alone. In fact, no one ever has and survived. In Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, our tradition offers the following. Aseh Rav, make for yourself a teacher. Ukunelecha Haver, and get yourself a friend. It suggests that we require people in our lives. Individuals who will be there for us when we need to refocus and to deal with stress, worry, and anxiety of life. One more short story. It might be familiar. A student was visiting Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, and in the middle of the visit with this great scholar of Jewish thought, the rabbi got word that a friend's sister had just died. Heschel rose from his chair and announced to his student, we have to go. They got in his car and they drove to Boston an hour away. And they went to his friend's house and Heschel walked in and he hugged his friend and he sat beside him on the sofa and he sat there for an hour. He didn't mumble a single word, not one cliche, not how old was she, not time will heal, not I know how you feel, not everything happens for a reason, doors and windows and all that stuff. He just sat there in silence for an hour, and he listened. He listened to his friend cry and tell stories and remember and laugh. And when his friend was done talking, he got up, he hugged his friend again, and he left. And on the ride back to Boston, from Boston, the student asked Rabbi Heschel, did you know her well, the sister of your friend who died? And Heschel responded, I'd never met her. The student was puzzled, and he said, then Rabbi Heschel, if I can ask, why did we drive an hour to sit in silence on this sofa? And the great rabbi responded, 
because that's what he needed. That's what he needed. I have sat with hundreds of families at times of their greatest stress in life. The death of a loved one, waiting for test results, the outcome of a surgery. And in every one of those instances, the strength to endure the stress, worry, and anxiety of those life-altering moments, it didn't come from me. Not specifically. It came from friends and family, all of those that surrounded them. Those who brought food and comfort and a listening ear and a warm hug and the gentle empathy that only our closest friends know what to say and when to say it and when just to shut up and listen and sit quietly. That's what a synagogue community such as ours can do. It's what we do so well. I have learned and I have come to admire so many things about our congregation. But the quality of our shul that I admire most, and one that I know I inherited from Rabbi and Kathy Bregman, you brought it here. And along with all of the families that founded this congregation, and those that have been here and are sustaining it for all of these years until I got here. The quality that I admire most is that we are always there for each other. Being part of this community is one of the best ways to cope with stress, worry, and anxiety. We should probably put that on our membership form or our website. <laughs> Rabbi Alan Liu in his book, This is Real and You're Completely Unprepared. I love the title. The Days of Awe as a Journey of Transformation. He says this. The ten days of tshuva are days of renewal. Days when we are not only concerned with change and transformation, but also with reinvigorating, refreshing, and reimagining our lives. Three simple things, three prescriptions to cope with stress, worry, anxiety. Number one, say no, set boundaries. Number two, take care of yourself, your body, and your soul. And number three, find community, because nobody can do this alone. They may be simple, but simple isn't easy. Simple is actually quite hard sometimes. Remember the exercise we did just a few minutes ago, when we just sat there and did nothing for two minutes. Doing nothing is hard. Remembering to breathe is hard. It takes intention. It takes work, but it is holy work. And that is why God commanded that we should have a Sabbath once a week and a day like Yom Kippur once a year, what our tradition calls Shabbat Shabbaton, the Sabbath of all Sabbaths. Because sometimes, like that app on my watch, we have to be reminded to breathe. Sometimes we need to be commanded to breathe. In this new year, don't click the dismiss button. Don't swipe it away for another time when you have more time. You don't know if you're going to have more time. The time is now. The clock is ticking. And if that stresses you out, then even more the reason why we need to follow these prescriptions. Our lives are quite literally depending on it. It is as essential as breathing. Can you hear us so and may it be God's will. Amen.